Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Was anybody uh, with us last Sunday, or, or actually, if, if you were here last Sunday, would you just raise your hand? Was that a, a wonderful time, amen? Um, I like to call that like a top five Sunday. For me, I love, uh, Good Friday actually is probably my favorite service that we do every year here, probably followed by Christmas Sunday and then Easter Sunday maybe, but last Sunday was a, a top five service, and so, man, I just gotta tell you, if you, um, if Cornerstone is your home, if this is where God has called you for this next season, the next five years, the next 10 years, whatever it may be, I am telling you, I would really like you to go online. We have so many different ways to, to catch up, but um, goodness, we have our website, we have our app. I think we just started a podcast. Does anybody know how to do a podcast? I know how, I, I, I'm like learning this stuff, right? But go online because our, our district supervisor, uh, Billy Calderwood shared a word that was just amazing, not only for our regional Western District, but I believe he shared a word uh, just for us right here at Cornerstone as well that, man, I, I'm just telling you, it was, it was an enjoyable, it was a, a wonderful time, but most importantly, it's, it's always exciting when we see God moving, isn't it? No? 11? Come on now, wake up. Is it exciting or what, you know? I had, I had my espresso this morning, so I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go with us? You ready, 11 a.m.? All right, well, let's get into the word. Would you open your Bible? And I heard a new term last week. Uh, I, heard, I heard a pastor at our pastor's leadership conference. He said, would you turn on your Bible? I'm not sure how I felt about that, but I kind of, part of me loved it. And then part of me was like the old school part of me was disgusted, right? That we can actually, right? So however you access your Bible these days, would you turn on your Bible or would you open your Bible to the book of Joel? Yes, that is a book of the Bible. Um, it is, we are in this series called The Unknown. Unknown, and we're, what we've been looking at, my heart behind this series was to look for certain portions of Scripture that if you're like me, all of our, there was a few Bible scholars at the 9 a.m. service, folks, and they looked at me like, they looked at me like I was the worst. They were like, how dare you not know where the book of Joel is, right? Does anybody here know where the book of Joel is? Not Billy Joel, not the piano man. Right? There is a book in the Bible called Joel, and we're going to get into that this morning. But if you're like me, there are certain sections of Scripture that if you've been following the Lord for a long time, it's, it's, it's fun to jump to David and Goliath, right? It's fun to talk about the heroes of the faith. It's, it's fun to talk about Abraham and Moses, and we always want to get into the Gospels, right? But sometimes there are certain parts of, of Scripture where sometimes we just tend to kind of breeze past it on our reading plan. Amen? Or my, is that only me? That's only me. I should walk out the door today, apparently. You guys, everybody here knows the entire book of Joel, and you're, you're down with Habakkuk and Malachi and all those different things. We'll get into all the judges, and I'm teasing. But this morning, if you have your Bible, would you open it up to Joel chapter 1 and kind of a little bit of context in this story and in this book. Um... Joel opens up in chapter 1, and if you're, if you're real bored while I'm speaking today, you can read chapter 1. We're going to skip to chapter 2 in a moment. But uh, in chapter 1, this, culturally, this, this plague happens, and it, it, we could call it a, a, an infestation, this swarm 
of locusts invades Judah. The land of Judah is just destroyed. The Bible talks about how they have come and these locusts have eaten the crops and they have decimated the land and, and all of these different things have happened. And so that is the context in which Joel is writing. If you look at chapter one with me, we're going to get into it in just a moment. But before we do and get into the word, could we just bow our heads and have a word of prayer? I know we prayed for the offering and all that, but let's just shortly just kind of focus our hearts on the scripture God, I believe, wants to share with each of us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we, we ask that you would speak through your word. God, we believe your, your word is inspired. Your, your word is, is useful for teaching. And so, God, we pray that not only our, our ears would be open to listening, but, God, our, our hearts, that this information would move from our head into our hearts and that, God, we would, we would even allow your Holy Spirit to maybe even convict those areas that we haven't checked in a while. God, we, we want you to speak today in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, can we say amen? Amen. So Joel chapter 1, let's read it, verse 1. Are you ready? The Lord, he gave this message to Joel. Verse 2, hear, hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land and all your history has anything like this happened before. I could stop right, we could stop right there and go home today. Could, we, could you agree with that? Like, look at, when we look at, like, in all the history, I even think of what's going on in our world today in the United States. Has anything like this ever happened before, right? Listen, you leaders, all who live in the land and all your history, has anything happened before? Verse 3, tell your children about it. And in the years to come, let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to Generation. Verse 4, here is what had happened, folks. He's going he's gonna to lay out all kinds of locusts. I didn't know they could do all this, but here we go. Read this with me. After the cutting locusts finished eating the crops, the, the swarming locusts <laughs> took what was left. After them came the hopping locusts, and then the stripping locusts too. Verse 5, wake up, you drunk people. Isn't that interesting? Wake up, you drunkards. He says, and weep. Wail, all you wine drinkers. All the grapes are ruined and your sweet wine is gone. A vast army of locusts has invaded my land, a terrible army too numerous to count. Uh, would you go back? Look at verse 5 for a minute. You know, last week, well, the last time I spoke when we were in our series on Unknown, we, we went to the book of Philemon. How many of you remember the book of Philemon, right? And anytime you see the Apostle Paul open up a letter, he usually opens it up with a greeting that is kind, right? He usually is like, man, I am, I am praying for you. He usually says something like, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so proud of the way you're honoring the Lord. Um, the prophet Joel has a little bit different of a way of greeting people. Would you notice this in verse 5? He says, wake up, you drunk people. Wake up, you drunkards. Wail, you wine drinkers, your grapes are ruined. Uh, I, I don't know about you, this is, an, uh, I, this is not the way I would want to get someone's attention. He just starts off his, he, he just starts off his message with name-calling, right? Interesting. But he, he just goes there, he goes right for the jugular, because he, he has a message from the Lord. Wake up, tell your children about this in years to come. He's using what was known as a well-known well plague in this city in this area, this, this disaster in their culture, which no doubt this disaster in, that, uh, in the ancient Near East in that time, a disaster like this is not only going to affect them financially, 
but it's gonna, it affects their agriculture. It's gonna, you probably are going to lose some people from starvation. Um, but Joel delivers this message. Could we sit, would you just turn to someone? He delivers a message of pure judgment. You see that? Like, this is, did anybody remember, what was the, my favorite Terminator movie? Anybody remember Terminator? I, my, the, the, the best one was Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Does anybody remember that one? Right? He delivers this, this epic Judgment Day type message to the people, to this culture. But what we're going to see in a minute, as we roll the pages into chapter 2, that we're going to read about the hope that we have when repentance is involved as well. I was, I was reading this week, and you, everybody just start to YouTube things or Google things, and then you just go down the rabbit hole, and you're just YouTubing all day. I was, I was Googling about locusts, and I was looking up pictures and different things, and being that I, I am a born and raised West Coast guy, is anybody from the East Coast? Raise your hands. Or lived on the East Coast for a certain amount of time? That's it. We're all West Coasters. All right. I was reading, and I didn't know this, in Maryland and certain areas on the East Coast, every 17 years, every 17 years, they have a, a variety of locusts, the cicadas, and every 17 years, there's literally millions, hundreds and hundreds of millions of them that, that over, that they, they come out, they pop out, people swat at them, they, they land on your cars, they do different things. But I was reading about it that they live underground for 17 years, and then they all come out to hook up with each other, because I guess that's, that's how it works. I have no idea. But they're hatched. They come out every 17 years, and they get ready for the next cycle. Well, Joel is describing like a similar type invasion, this plague of, of locusts that just ruins everything. Would you write this down? We're going to see that God's judgment, folks, is a very real thing. One of the themes in the book of Joel is that judgment is real would you turn to someone and say judgment is real it is it's a real thing but here we go would you write this down but so is the beauty of repentance would you write that down in your notes this morning judgment is real but so is the beauty of repentance Joel begins to develop this idea in scripture that he mentions later he mentions this it's mentioned later in the New Testament he begins to develop this idea. He talks about the day of the Lord. He, this day of the Lord is coming. Watch out. Which it's not a reference to a specific day, but it's a reference to a time period, a period in time that is coming where God himself is going to bring judgment. And he's also going to bring, he, he's going to take matters into his own hands. And he's also going to bring himself restorations. Joel paints this, these images of vast Destruction, and I think he he writes in such a way to try to to try to awake people from a, a, like the spiritual drought they've been in, uh, a, a spiritual slumber that they've been in. Uh, ha have you ever walked through a few months, a season, six months, a year? Have you ever walked through a time period in your personal walk with Christ where you just felt a little complacent about the things of God, where you just maybe like, yes, I believe in Jesus, yes, I believe I'm, but I'm just not that. I don't know, I'm not that excited about the things I see God doing. I'm not excited about the situation I see happening. Like, there's just, have you ever been, um, uh, oh my goodness, like this word, I remember growing up here, and like blasé faire about your faith, like just kind of just going through the motions. Well, Joel talks about this in order to, to try to stir the people up. I don't know about you, I've definitely had times where I have felt a little, a little, a little complacent 
in my faith because we've all had moments where we've blown it where we haven't kind of where, where we uh, we haven't we haven't measured up but Joel offers this this dose of reality for us today to try to to try to stir us as we get into this book would you jump ahead Joel chapter 2 and let's look at verse 12 Joel chapter 2 verse 12 let's read it together would you follow along with me this is why the Lord says turn to me now while there is still time Joel says, turn to the Lord now while there is still time. He says, give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Would you underline that in your Bibles this morning? Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. He says, don't tear your clothing in your grief. He's, I think Joel's kind of like, don't bother to show how much everybody you're repenting. I want you to repent on the inside. Maybe he's tired of everybody tearing their clothes and saying how sorry they are. He, want, he wants a, a change from the inside out. Would you look at verse 13 with me? Let's continue on. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. I love verse 14. Who knows? We could close with this this morning, change it up. But he says, who knows? Perhaps he will give you reprieve. I think he kind of, we'll get to this a little bit. Perhaps God will change his mind. We're going to see in a little bit, God, God does often in the Bible change his mind. He says, perhaps he'll give you a reprieve. Sending you a blessing instead of this curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. You know, one of the signs as we walk, we, we can all be of gif different generations in this house. And you look around and we all, we all are different ages, different, different shapes, different sizes. Amen? But, you know, there's different levels of spiritual maturity that we all may be at as well. One of the signs that you, can, that you know about spiritual maturity is beginning to live your life recognizing that God either controls or allows all situations to happen. You know that, like he, it, it all passes through his hand. We see that highlighted in the book of Esther, that all of these things are allowed to pass through God's hand. He either controls them or he allows them to happen. But we're also going to see in Scripture that there are times where God can directly intervene in a situation as well. Sometimes when we, uh, I remember my dad used to say something. It was, oh, here it was. He used to say when we played sports, have you ever heard a parent say lackadaisical? Is that what, who says, what does that mean? Is that a real word? Or did he just make it up? It is a real word? Yeah, okay, cool. Lackadaisical. I don't know why I just thought of that. It means lazy. But when we go through these seasons, I think sometimes when we are a little, a little complacent in our faith, we fail often to realize and we fail to see the different ways that God is actually moving number one would you write this down this morning we often fail to realize God is moving we often we often fail to to look for it we often fail to see the ways God is moving we we have this terrible habit don't we that we want to always we, we tend to look for natural ways to solve spiritual issues do you recognize that we, we, we often look for man-made ways to solve spiritual issues you know God can use so many different things to get our attention. I, I love that story Billy shared last week. Our supervisor shared the story of Paul in the boat. You remember that? And how the prisoner in the boat was the one, the only one acting responsible. 
right? He was the only one thinking outside of the physical. Paul was thinking inside the spiritual, as Pastor Billy uh, Calderwood shared. Many times we have physical setbacks, medical setbacks, financial setbacks, moments where we make a poor decision and we blow it. Has anybody ever blown it before, right? And we, instead of, instead of recognizing, man, many, many times those are the seasons in life when we blow it, where God is going to show up and reveal himself the most. Because our physical events, things that happen to us in the physical, you know, they, they often have a spiritual meaning behind them. We often want to solve these spiritual problems with human solutions. We think we have the, the human solution to everything, don't we? Like, whether it's physically or politically, whatever it is, we tend to post about, like, this is what the solution will be, right? To help us obey laws more, whatever it is. Take your pick, right? Our, our supervisor last week, he said, what did he say? He said, uh, you know, Jesus was still on the throne when Reagan was president. He was on the throne when Carter was president. And he was on the phone, he, he was on the throne. He was on the phone or the throne? He was on the throne... Um, you know, I don't even know who the 20th president was. <laughs> he was on the throne when Obama was president and Trump was president and one of the Bushes was president and Mr. Clinton was president. He's on the throne when Joe Biden's president. He also said he's on the throne when Hitler was doing evil things that we couldn't even grasp. Maybe some people didn't even know about all the evil that was taking place. You know, we, we kind of live in this era of information where, goodness, we, 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 we have a an assumption that somehow politics will help shape hearts, right? I am what you would call, is anybody with me on this? Maybe you really, really love it, and that's okay if you do. We can agree to disagree, and you are covered, and we love you, and it's all good. We can go to church together and disagree. But I am a Facebook hater. Is anybody a Facebook hater in the house? I refuse to be a part of that world. I refuse to be on it. Does anybody love it? It's okay, exposure, say it. You Does anybody love Facebook? Nobody's like, I, thank you for being bold. Come on, come on, preach, bro. It's okay. It's okay. We love face. It's all good. We can, we can still be in church together, right? There's something about me, though, but one of these things, I always hear about different, like, oh, drama or different things or people sharing their opinions or whatever it is. But I was thinking about this this week as I was preparing to just share. It's interesting how often believers post about their political beliefs but how little they post about how Jesus has changed them. And that interest, like, and if you catch yourself, I hope, like, I don't, I don't want, like, maybe that's something where we, we are so quick to post about what we think the man-made solution is to the problem that we, when was the last time you shared your story? And folks, like, how many of you have been enjoying the testimonies that we've been, we, we didn't have one up today, but how many of you have been enjoying the testimonies that we've been working on? Right? I want that. That is something that needs to become a DNA of who we are as a church family. That we are a group of people. That we, you know what the best way to talk to someone about Jesus is? It's not to, to bring, don't bring this message of judgment. Don't bring Joel to him today, right? Don't, do not do that, right? That's, that's good for us today. But you know what the best way to talk to someone about your faith? Is to simply share what has Jesus done in your life? How has he changed you? They're not going to be interested in Romans, I promise you. I spent a whole semester on Romans, and I still didn't get it all in Bible college, right? I'm teasing. But, like, people are going to be interested. They're going to be interested in your story, in your testimony. 
How has Jesus changed you? I'm not saying like politics are a bad thing. I mean, my, how many of us, uh, my, my youth pastor is running for something. What is pastor, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you can clap for that. Christopher Dare, we love him, right? He's running for um, secretary of state in our own state. And, and how about you? Like a man that loves Jesus, loves the word, loves his family. Yeah, he's got my vote. We got Stan Height, right? Running for, for a sheriff, right? Yes. It's all good. Like, I'm going to vote for a Bible-believing man that loves his family. That, that is going to happen. But at the same time, laws are never going to change hearts. Remember that scripture from a few weeks back where it said, the, the strength of sin is what? The strength of sin is the law. Because, man, laws are never intended to change our heart. Let's get back to the message. I'm going out into left field today. Can we go to verse 15? You read it with me there? Verse 15. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, and even the babies. I love this. Verse 16. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and call the bride from her private room. You know, number two, uh, the second point I'm going to share, uh, it can be found in this, in verse 15. Would you look at the end of verse 15 with me and, and write this down? Number two, we must come together and return to God. We must come together and return to God. Number two, we must come together and return to God. Uh, verse 15 mentions something that doesn't sound all that exciting to me because I love like parties and I love fantasy football drafts and I love pizza and I love drinking soda with everybody and I love like concerts and being loud but look what he says you want to know what the a key to revival is he says announce a time of fasting call the people together for a solemn meeting would you underline those two words the key to revival we can say it's a solemn meeting it's a serious meeting it's a time to gather and get serious before the Lord. We must come together, number two, and return to God. I don't know about you and what generation you're a part of, but I just think it would be so, well, cool does not even begin to describe it. But Steve, you're here in this service today. I mentioned you in the first one, and I love your stories about getting saved, or I don't know if it was saved on the beach, but Chuck Smith and the Jesus. How many of us would love to see Something, are, are you guys, are you a baby boomer? Can I ask that? Are you a baby boomer? Are you, some, some of the baby boomers got to see this thing that, that we didn't get to see. It was called the Jesus Movement. How many of you were a part of that? Anybody? Some of us? Raise your hand, right? I just think, and Steve, I just think it would be really cool for this generation to experience a move of God that we have never seen before, where we can look back and say, that was a complete and total revival. That was a total move of God. Right? That, that I think this generation and generations past haven't seen what some of you saw God do and how you saw God work in the lives of people. That excites me. That just, I don't, I don't know. Does anybody else want to see that? Or is it just kind of like, eh, I just want to keep going to church and I just want to be here on Sunday and get lunch. <laughs> right? Don't we want, right? It's exciting to see that, right? But here's the key. He says... Have a solemn meeting. He's like, don't, 
don't, don't go to like a camp. Don't like that pastor's conference was cool, but he's like, it's not going to happen from a, a party atmosphere. It's not going to happen from uh, that, that, that big Hillsong United concert that's coming. It's not going to happen if we throw a party. He says, do what? Throw a, have a, a solemn, serious meeting to change your heart. I have a, um, I just have a, a theory, and I don't want to stay on this too long, but as I was talking with pastors last week, and many of them were from California, I have this, 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 this hunch, and I can't speak for uh, churches outside of the United States, but I think in our culture, our Western Christianity culture, I think the last two years, this COVID, this pandemic, whatever you want to call it, I, I, I think it has exposed the church. I think in many ways it's exposed people who, well, maybe they were believers, maybe, maybe not, right? I talked to some pastors, and we were talking about how basically they said 30% of every church in America has literally disappeared. And a couple of the pastors I talked to that were in the Los Angeles area, they said, no, 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 not 30% in California. They go, we've lost 70%. We've lost, like, we're way more than, he goes, I don't know what you guys are doing, but they said, we have lost, like, there is 70% of our church is just gone. They've either relocated, they've stopped going to church altogether, but I don't know about you, like, it, it is interesting to me that the greatest battle that God had prepared us for arrived, and our response seemed to be to stay home. That's just interesting. Right? And when we talk about Paul and we see in the book of Acts when Paul says, um, I shared the gospel and I was shipwrecked, I was snake bit, I was stoned, I was put in jail, I was, what else happened to Paul? Right? You sit there and you go, what did we have, like, what did we have to, to, to face for sharing our faith, right? You're like, we can't even compare to the suffering that Paul went, went through. But then I remember this scripture, and maybe this is a series we need to jump into in the new year. There's this man in the Bible, his name was Gideon, and he had this army behind him of 32,000 people, right? We could say he had, is anybody going to the Raiders game today? I heard somebody was at first service and they said, I'm going to the Raiders game at one. Let's just say it like this, 32,000 people is an army that would fill up half of that stadium, right? Gideon had an army of 32,000. And we see what, what God did because I believe it was a situation where God said, I'm going to make no mistake that you guys understand and you realize where this victory come from, comes from. Your leaders aren't going to get credit. Your soldiers aren't going to get credit. But God is going to take all the credit when he moves in a mighty way. And God whittles this army of 32,000 step by step. He says, no, no, this is too many men. Still too many men. Still too many men. And they are, they are cut down. They send all these soldiers home. And Gideon's army is cut down to 300 people. They go from filling up a Legion Stadium to filling up this room, folks. Right? That's how bad this army is, has, has changed. And I think God did it because he says, you know what? When I move, there is going to be no mistake that that was a move of God. You see, trouble often forces us to return to the Lord, doesn't it? Right? This locust invasion in the book of Joel, it it forces these people, their crops have been destroyed. So it forces them to look beyond the physical. It forces them to go, we, we're going to run out of food, right? Everything's gone. we got to figure out how are we going to restore that which was lost. 
How are we going to restore in our community, in our church, in our, our, our city, on our block? How are we going to restore that which is lost? Verse 15 gives us the key. He says, have a solemn meeting. Do you catch that? He says, have a serious meeting. I think of sometimes when you arrive for a celebration of life or a memorial, there's this sense where, yes, you're excited to, to share about that person who, who is now in heaven, that loved one who is now passed. But, you know, when you show up to a memorial service, you're not messing around, are you? You're honoring someone. You're respecting the atmosphere. You, you show up, and it's a serious event. The book of Joel teaches us, he says, you, know, you want to see revival happen, it's going to happen when you don't throw a party, but you have a solemn assembly, a solemn gathering. It's going to happen where the mood and the tone and, you, and, and my people get serious. Very serious. I think it's, it's just strange to me when I read verse 15. It's like, revival will happen when we have a serious meeting. When, when we get serious about the things, right? And I think, man, when we get ready to listen, when we position ourselves to listen, I think we've all had those moments where we've not shared something. We felt the Holy Spirit uh, uh, leading us to share. Maybe in the grocery store, and you're like, man, I really want to share this, but I, I got I to gotta get going for whatever reason, right? But God's Word, He's going to show this in, in the book of Joel that He's, not, able, not only able to restore us or restore a situation, but oftentimes through Scripture with His promises, He restores things better than they ever were before. But, but to experience this, the, the book of Joel is saying, Wait, my people got to return to me. My people together have to return to God. Look at verse 15, if you would, with me really quick. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. That's like a... Anybody ever heard like a shofar being blown? I don't know why that just cracks me up. Blow the horn. I think that's, isn't it, like, isn't it weird when people do that in church today? Has anybody ever seen that before? It's always like, oh, please, please don't bring a horn next week. Nobody do that. Nobody. <laughs> I'll lose it. I'm teasing. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. I was thinking about this as I was reading the word this week. When was the last time we practiced something like this? When was the last time, he says, call the people together, announce a time of fasting and praying for change? Because remember, if we see this culturally, folks, we can see this all around. Seeking hu human strategies for fixing our spiritual problems. Are they working? <laughs> right? Like, we see it. Like, things are broken. It, it is not working, and only God can do it, but he can do it when our hearts are aligned with him. I think, I, I remember like our church was built on doing things like this years ago. I remember growing up and we would do like a week long fast and then the whole youth group would throw like a pizza party and then you hadn't eaten in like three or four days and we all would get sick at the party. Anybody remember those? Like years, I'm talking like 20, 30, but I thought about this. When was the last time? It says bring the babies, bring the bridegroom, bring, get the bride out of the room, right? Bring everybody. Announce a time of prayer. Announce a time of fast. It says Repentance is crucial for returning to God. One of the ways we do that is we need to have a serious, a serious meeting, a solemn meeting where we get dead serious about how we want to see God move and we repent. 
Verse 17, look at this with me. Let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand up and weep. They need to stand up and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Let them pray. And here's the prayer, this prayer of repentance. He says, tell the leaders and the priests to pray this. God, would you spare us? Wow, right? Remember, <laughs> the book of Joel, judgment is real, but repentance can be beautiful, right? God, spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the God of Israel left them? Here's the good time many times in scriptures. Here, we're going to get to point number three. There's something really, really wonderful that happens many times in the word. We see that God doesn't always give us what we deserve, right? He often restores things. Number three, God desires to withhold judgment. Do you know that? Judgment is a real thing, but God desires to withhold it. He desires our heart. He desires us to come back. He desires repentance. We can't repent what God is. We, can, we, can't, uh, we can't try to influence. We can't try to predict. We can't try to help him decide what he is going to do, right? Because he is in charge. God is sovereign. He is going to move how he's going to move. He's going to do what he is going to do. But this judgment described in the beginning of chapter 2... Folks, this judgment is crazy. Like I said, this is Terminator-style, world-on-fire judgment. And it's interesting who is a part of it. Not only who's a part of it, who is leading the judgment. Would you look, would you reverse, go back a couple verses with me. Joel chapter 2, verse 9. Would you check this out? This is just a glimpse. But if you want to read verses 1 through 8 on your own, go for it this week. But here's a glimpse of this judgment that is coming for the people. He says this, They swarm over the city and run, run along its walls. These are like super-powered soldiers here, right? They enter all the houses, climbing like thieves through the windows. The earth quakes as they advance, and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars no longer shine. And then look at verse 11. It says, the Lord's at the head of this army. The Lord is bringing this judgment. The Lord leads this column. He leads them with a shout, it says. This is his mighty army, and they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? That just freaks me out a little bit. The Lord is at the head of this army. So the, 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 the judgment that he is capable of bringing and ready to bring, man, it is a real threat. It is a real thing. But the, high, the theme of Joel is repentance is a beautiful thing. Would you write that down this, this morning as we get ready to close? Repentance is a beautiful thing. Scripture's full of moments where destruction is sometimes minutes away, right? Scripture's full of moments where, where it seems like things are going bad, and then it almost seems like there are, ish, there are times when God decides to withhold that judgment he was warning us about. Seems like there are times where, could we say it like this, where God changes his mind because of repentance or obedience right? I think of like Abraham right the God instantly God it seems like God changed right think of uh, 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 Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 it says when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways God changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened 
worship team or Danette, would you come and close us and, and on the keys this morning? If you're, if you're here, I don't know where she went. But it says, God changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Not that we can change God's mind, but can we say it like this? God often shows his kindness, his mercy, his grace when from the inside out we truly repent. Right? When judgment is involved, true repentance is the key. Getting serious, getting serious goes a long way. The pastor last week mentioned that time machine from Back to the Future 2. How many of us love that movie back in the day, right? That time machine, right? A lot of us sometimes even in our faith, we, we live in this desire to have a time machine to go back and fix something because we all blew it in some way, shape, or form. Right? We, we would love to go back and, man, I wish I could take back that thing I said, take back the way I, I hurt someone or betrayed someone, take back that, that wrong that I did. We all, we all have that, that desire. But the reality is <laughs> that will never happen. We can never go back. But the book of Joel, it's, it's so encouraging, but we can, we can repent. We can repent and turn from those ways. We can turn from that way of thinking, that way of operating. We can't go back, but we can repent and look forward. Isn't that amazing? Right? We can repent and move forward. Repent and look forward to what God is doing. You know what? One of, we had that series on heaven, and one of the coolest things I thought about with that series on heaven is that if you are with Jesus, right? If you are following Christ, no matter how bad it gets here, your best days are always ahead of you because of heaven, right? No matter how sick you get, no matter how broke you get, no matter how wrong you get it, your best days are ahead because of the hope we have in eternity with him because of heaven. Someone say amen, right? And be, as a family, as a mom, if you're here today and you're a mom, you're a dad, you're making it work. Maybe you're, you're, you're married and you're, you're raising your family, whatever it is. As a church family, one of the things I would say like this, Cornerstone, our best days can be ahead of us, but only if we follow him. Amen? Only if we follow him. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this gathering. Lord, we thank you that we can be in your house. Lord, thank you for this message in a, a part of the Bible that maybe some of us skip past from time to time this book of Joel Lord may we be a little more passionate about representing you God a little more excited about living for you God help us get serious about bringing people into relationship with you God help us stop caring about whatever the news stories are and help us to share your news God help us to share good news for a change God, help us to share news about how you've saved us. God, help us to share news about how you've changed us. God, help us to share news about how you've forgiven us. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize, you know what, you've just been maybe a little blase fair or complacent or a little whatever, a little lazy in your faith, a little lukewarm in your faith. Maybe you've been in church, but you, you thought, you know, I believe in God, but I've just been a little indifferent about all this kind of been indifferent about the things going on I've been frustrated maybe there's some of you here you haven't been living for Christ uh, and, and people around you man they know it they know they know what you're up to in the weekdays 
I want to say this, man, you aren't alone if you're hurting. You aren't alone if you've been depressed. You aren't alone if you've been sad. The Bible says that Jesus wants you to know he's knocking at the door. He's waiting. He's ready to invite you in. He's ready. He's knocking at the door of your heart. I love that this book says when we return to Jesus, when we return to God, when we repent, oh my goodness, that God, he, he's capable. He, he may just change his mind. And all we have to do is put it out there. We just have to, to put our, 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 our mistakes out there, our garbage out there. We just have to put our story out there and say, God, I'm going to trust in you. God, would you forgive me? God, would you save me? God, would you make me new? I want to make you first. God, your judgment is a real thing. And, and sometimes that is something we need to be a little more fearful of it. But God, we need to realize just how beautiful repentance is. God, we need to realize how pleased you are when we truly repent and we don't look back. We don't turn back to who we used to be, but we move forward in who you have created us to be. God, my life... It's not my own. I give it to you. God, our purpose is to glorify you. Would you just say this this morning? Jesus, I give you my life. I want to glorify you. And I want to serve you. In Jesus' holy name, can all God's people say amen? Amen. Amen. But God bless you this morning. Would you stand to your feet? Would you give someone, um, I, I don't know, a flying elbow, a high five on your way out the door? And would you tell someone, oh goodness, judgment is real, but repentance is beautiful. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.